0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the yankee cowboy podcast i'm your host tim wilkins and today we're actually going to review the 810 edition of aew dynamite from minneapolis and minnesota uh so much transpired in this show that i kind of just want to talk about it as a wrestling fan and not so much a podcaster but it was really difficult to to actually kind of put two and two together here and and, kind of just enjoy it as a wrestling show more than being uh I guess you say critique and and being criticisms here. But overall, AEW is continually going down a path of no return here with a lot of these finishes and a lot of these segments are on free television. I understand that their pay-per-view model only maybe does quarterly pay-per-views, but in the future, Tony Khan might want to think about how he books these segments and these matches going forward here, because it seems like he's still continuing to hot shot the book here. Like I said, guys, we're going to review the 810 edition of AEW Dynamite from live from Minneapolis, Minnesota, the home of the lakes. Great open, hot open with JR. They open up with the coffin match between Darby Allen and Brody King. I will say that that particular contest was not what I was expecting as an opening contest. And the reason being that I'm slowly starting to understand is that Tony Khan is trying to get the ratings from the Big Bang Theory or some kind of rerun rating that goes into the block. However, doing it with these matches, you're always gonna always going to have your fan base that turns in. Why don't you have something casual kind of work our way into the program and get everybody hot into the back end of the hour and then kind of go into the next hour. You're Your hour number two is going to be good. Uh, this match was full of just full of furniture, outside, interference spots. Heck, they opened up the match with uh, Darby Allen having a skateboard with tax and hitting Brody King in the back. Uh... And he got colored right off the get-go. It's, a, it's another week of them bleeding on national television. Um, I, I was still confused on why was there interference during a coffin match. with It's already gimmick up enough. You don't need a gimmick on top of another gimmick. You don't need an interference. You don't need sting popping out of a coffin. You know, You don't need all that. The gimmick is the Coffin Match. And they barely used it. Okay. Something doesn't click here with the way it's being booked. If you want the brutality, you want the finale of the Coffin Match, and it's a gimmick, then why in the world are you going to have the House of Black, which all they do is they turn the lights on and turn them off and turn them back on and turn them off. You got Julia Hart in there, which... Okay, the only reason why she's doing it, because she's never been a heel before. And then you have Sting popping out of a coffin. They do a choke spot on the ropes with Brody King's chain that he comes out to the ring with. And he falls from the ring apron to the coffin, and they shut the door, and the match is over. I would say that's probably the quickest coffin match I've ever seen. It was probably like 15 minutes long, and it was done. And it was just made you go, huh? What in the damn world are they thinking? That match could have been a heck of a lot better if they just stayed away from the furniture, stayed away from the gimmicks. The gimmick is the coffin. Use it. Use it as a weapon. You don't need a skateboard with tacks. You don't need... House of Black doing their lights on, lights off. You don't need Sting doing that. You belittle the match when you have a gimmick on top of a gimmick. And I'm not even a wrestling booker, and I know that. Takes away the seriousness of the coffin. Like, duh. Just a terrible... Duh. Just I was disgusting with that. Then it goes from that segment to another segment of Moxley doing a promo. Which is his usual... Talking about pain and suffering and making people bleed and all this other shit that he talks about all the time. That he makes no sense. He does the same stupid swagger. Same swagger. Walks around like a dummy. Doesn't do anything in a promo. Doesn't get to the point. Just talks about the same thing. He is as stale as Roman Reigns on national television. Which no offense to Roman Reigns, great champion, because there's nobody else there. But for fuck's sakes... Excuse my language. Moxley needs to stop talking about blooded guts. Because he's the only one bleeding. Every match, it's like a death match. It's like a, it's hardcore. It's every match that you watch a John Moxley match in, he's bleeding. Doesn't matter. It's a regular wrestling match. A street fight. A lot, house of cards. Whatever you want to call it. It's terrible. Then Chris Jericho does a, a promo. Which is more methodical. Does a solid promo um jericho is definitely more of the esque of he wanted to cl- tighten up around the loose ends and then get to the get to the core issue which he wants to become the aew world champion again i also don't just i don't agree with the notion that he is the last survivor of the heart dungeon there's many wrestlers out there that are survivors of the heart dungeon that are still alive so that's a lot But they go into that segment. They go into the uh, Andrade and versus Lucha Brothers in a Tornado Tag match. Which basically means no tags are needed. And all four men are in the match at the same time. I will say that this style of match, a Tornado Tag, suits the Lucha Libre style the best. But, man, was it a spot fest. Uh, And it was weird as how it ended with Penta... Obscuro uh, had his mask hit the wrist, taking off his mask to save the match, er, is taking off his own mask to stop the pinfall by Andrade, and basically it kind of sabotaged the win for the, the Lucha brothers. And uh, solid match, in my opinion, if you understand the style in which they're working, and, and it's, a, it's you understand it's a spot fest that it's going to come down to. And you just kind of have to understand that, watching that, and and, and not really be so methodical in your critique, but understand that those guys are working within a finite box of wrestling moves that they want to perform and what they want to be known for. Uh, Solid match, in my opinion. Just not enough time. um, Really didn't have any reason why the match was on television, other than maybe you know, they continually keep fighting each other. So it's, there's a reason for it, but there's no payoff to it yet. Uh, they, they go from that match to the young bucks finding hangman, Adam page in his locker room. And, uh, and the young bucks are thanking hangman, Adam page for coming to their aid after, uh, you know, Adam page turned on him or not Adam page. Uh, Adam Cole turned on the young bucks and, uh, Adam Page, Hangman Adam Page, uh, turns on the Young Bucks and says, turns him down and says, no, I don't want to be your partner for the Trio's championship match. Uh, and basically that sequels and sequences and previews the return of Kenny Olivier or Kenny Omega uh, next week on the 8, 817 edition of Dynamite, which, uh, you know, the recording of this, i already seen the 817 Dynamite episode and I will review that uh, shortly, but this match, the TRIOS tournament as a whole does not need to be done. They're having a hard enough time putting the Atlantic Championship on national television, but yet they want to put a TRIOS championship on there. It's really tough. For, you know, um, They have a hard time putting their tag team championships on, on live television on a weekly basis. So it's really difficult. Um, Their booking style has become more hot shot. And they need to really kind of slow down. Pay the stuff off. Fans will enjoy it better that way. Uh, Next segment they do, they do a squash match with Lusasaurus. And then there's a fight off with Jungle Boy and Christian. I really don't have much to talk about that. It's just a typical hype for the next for All Out. Uh, Those two are going to go at each other for All Out. It continues on. Uh, it will continue on anyway. It's a continuation of the, 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 the feud. The next one is a promo with Miro, with Julia Hart telling them to join the House of Black. And the one line in that promo says, "I only let one woman touch the Redeemer, and you're not her." I was just laughing my ass off. That that had to be the one. It just it just not not because it's comedy, but because it's just Miro saying it the way he said it. And, you know, CJ, uh, Alana is at home. And you had to know she was laughing uh, as well. Uh, There was another promo. So they did, like, three promos back-to-back after this squash match with Luchasaurus. And it's a typical booking style or segment writing of Tony Khan and QT Marshall. It's terrible. But the one thing that caught my eye was, honestly, the Jay Lethal promo with Sanjay Dutt and the big man. And Wardlow comes out. And it looks like they're going to, you know, they're going to throw down. And then next thing you know, FTR comes out and it's the return of the pinnacle, which always, you know, Tully Blanchard is probably smiling, but it's a return of one of the greatest stables in professional wrestling uh, or could have been anyway. Uh, I'll say that nicely. It could have been if they were doing it right on the booking side, but they did not. Wardlow's a big man. He can wrestle for sure. Obviously they're going to, hype up that feud going forward between Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, and Big Man with Wardlow working with Jay Lethal. And FTR is really not working with anybody um, at the AEW level. Basically, Tony Khan took all the steam out of FTR's sales um, and hasn't really booked them with the Young Bucks or or with the tag team titles, so it's been terrible. Um, Hopefully they get around to it eventually, but it's starting to slow down a little bit. They do that segment, then they go to a, uh, a Ricky Starks versus Aaron Solo match, which yeah, is about 10 minutes long. Pretty solid. Uh, Ricky Starks is definitely over. Um, his in ring work is pretty solid, so is Aaron's solo's work as well. But definitely about 10, 12 minutes, work through their stuff. They do it, you know, continuation of the Powerhouse Hobb Ricky Starks feud. Does a really nice job. Um, I, I like Sark's work here. I think if it's done well, it can continue on uh, to be something better. And uh, for sure, I think true time will tell how that goes. Uh, obviously, the next two matches here will lead to the main event with Moxley and Jericho. Is that the show is trying to gather a rating, right? You've seen AEW try to do these things. They're trying to do more feuds, more storyline-driven stuff, and more uh, segments, things along those lines, and it's not paying off in a rating. I'll be very interested to see whenever Kenny Omega does come back, how much of a bump is there on their normal rating. He, they draw. AEW Dynamite draws about a nine, a point nine or nine, 950,000 950, viewers. Uh, a week, and I'll be very interested to see. Uh, this show didn't draw very much of it, was in the uh, 867, I think it was, for the show as a total. So, the next match after the Ricky Starks match was Jade Cargo versus Madison Rain, which Madison Reign's known for her TNA wrestling days. Um, very solid in ring competitor, but this match was short, sweet, and to the point, about 10 minutes long. And you can definitely tell Jade Cargill has a lot to work on in the wrestling ring. It could have been the timing. It could have been Madison Reigns knew They were trying to work on something different. But you can definitely tell Jade Cargill was still green in the ring. And you could tell Madison was trying to work, but it was obviously limited based on what Jade could do and the time permitted. But you still didn't see very much there. Jade Cargill still obviously won that that match. But at some point, uh, you got to stop hyping her and let her lose. Who will she lose to? Truth will tell. Time will tell as well. Uh, the last match, the main event of this show, was a very long, drawn-out fight. Street fight, last man standing. I think it was last man standing. Might have been. Excuse my language. I forgot what it was. But it's Jericho. No, I'm sorry. It wasn't Jericho. It was uh, yeah. I think it was. It could have been. It was the last man standing, or it just a regular typical match. It's a good question. But it was Jericho versus Moxley. And Jericho uses his old Lionheart introduction from WCW. Good luck getting that introduction. I don't know how the hell he did that when Vince owns the rights to WCW music. Um, but William Regal's on color. And it was a solid match, nonetheless. It just. There was a, there was a Boston Crab, the Walls of Jericho, that was there. Literally, they went through an entire commercial segment that they're holding that move. You can't tell me you didn't blow out your biceps. You know, it just. Certain things, man. Uh, apparently, Jericho did break his nose in that match because uh, Eddie Kinks interfered. And uh, got him some, but um, very unique match to watch. Moxley retained, but Jericho, in my opinion, has a lot more to give to the business when he doesn't do the blood, the guts, the stupidity, and the you know the entertainers. And he does a match that's put together well. I'll be very interested to see how it goes with Jericho and Daniel Garcia because you can tell they're working on that um, after he works with uh, Brian Danielson. But uh, all right, guys, so this is my review of the 810 AEW Dynamite episode. Uh, Feel free to like or subscribe uh, or I'm sorry, download for for podcast. Also, feel free to uh, follow me on Twitter. Yankee Cowboy two uh, seven. Feel free to send any questions you may have. I'll uh, feel free to. I'm going to have probably q and A Q&A segment probably after I go to this Pod Movement podcast movement 2022 convention uh, next week. So hope everyone's having a great week. Feel free. This is Tim Wilkins signing off.